Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Ocean State Sidelines. I'm Brandon McGear, sports writer with the Pawtucket Times Woonsocket Call. Thrilled to be joined for the latest episode with Ben Steele, covers Marquette basketball for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. First of all, Ben, welcome. Uh, I understand you made it safely to Rhode Island. We're recording this on a Thursday afternoon. You were down in Newark last night for Marquette's latest victory. Yeah, what's up, Brandon? Thanks for having me on. Um, just glad to be back in Providence. This is one of my favorite stops on the old uh, Big East tour. Um, and it's good to be back here after a year sideline uh, of travel last year. Um, always good to be here. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, we have some... Uh, Pending snow coming this weekend. You know, the game is supposed to be 4.30 on Saturday. They expect to be close to a sellout at the Dunkin' Donuts Center. But uh, we'll be interested to see if the game is moved to Sunday. Hearing strong indications, that will be the place. Uh, ben, you're no stranger to covering Marquette PC games at the Dunkin' with snowstorms. Uh, a few years ago, you were here when Marcus Howard dropped 52 on the Friars. Yeah, that was, uh, that was the kind of the game that introduced Marcus Howard to uh, the national audience. Um, yes, he scored 52 and it started snowing the next morning and I was stuck here for a few days. Uh, that was the old uh, bomb cyclone. That was the fir first time that I learned that term. Uh, so uh, yeah, it's uh, always an adventure. Always an adventure, but uh, you know, let's dive into this uh, PC Marquette matchup. And I think maybe the best way to begin, Ben, is you look at the preseason coaches poll, the Friars were picked seventh. Marquette was uh, picked ninth. You know, it's always been my theory that, you know, when you look at those type of polls, it's about which team has the fewest amount of questions. And in the case of Marquette, there was a new coach. Shaka Smart came in and he brought in nine new players. And maybe that was maybe the tipping point with people wondering, how is this all going to work? And right now this week, PC is ranked 17th in the AP poll. And Marquette joined them this week, ranked uh, 22nd. Yeah, that's um, yeah, you're exactly right. I just, people just didn't know what to make of the Marquette team. People would ask me all the time, you know, is, is Marquette going to be good? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know how all of these pieces are going to fit together. You mentioned the nine new players and the, the three returning guys. Uh, I think everyone knew that Justin Lewis, at least Marquette fans knew that Justin Lewis was probably poised for a breakout season. I don't know if people thought he would be quite this good. And I'm sure we'll talk about him later. Um, but he, he, he always had the talent and we kind of figured that he would make a, uh, a big leap this season. And the other returning guys are Greg Elliott. He's a good role player. Um, but I don't think anyone thought that he would move the needle uh, or be one of the nation's best shooters actually that he is this year. And Oso Iguodar is the other third returning player and he barely played much at all last season. So, yeah, I mean, I kind of said as a default before the season that I expected, expected Chaka to get the most out of this roster uh, and and probably finish hover around 500 in the Big East, maybe be on the uh, NCAA tournament bubble picture, but definitely didn't see this coming. No, I don't think a lot of people did, especially when you look at it, uh, Ben. You know, they lost five stars from a year ago. DJ Carlton, Theo John, Dawson Garcia, that's a pretty good core right there. You know, two of them playing in the ACC, uh, DJ Carlton in the G League right now. He applied for the NBA draft. But I also think, too, with shot in the case of Shaka Smart, he joined Marquette at a time when the NCAA allowed for the one-time transfer rule, the grad transfer. So the market opened up for him at the right time. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to be a new coach, this was the, the year to do it. P 
people got the extra year eligibility too, and and the transfers, the seventeen hundred plus people changing teams. You could you could really put together a team on the fly. Um, but I think what 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 Shaka really did smartly, he used the the transfer portals um, to his advantage by getting players that kind of fit what he wanted to build here at Marquette. I, I'm thinking specifically about Daryl Morcel from Maryland and Kirk Queth from Oklahoma. The, those were the two the two transfers he brought in that had just one year of eligibility remaining. So he wanted those guys to kind of set the tone for the, for the younger players on the roster that there's a lot of young players on this Marquette team, a lot of young talent. Um, but he brought in those two older guys, Kirk Queth as like the, the 6'10 shot blocker type, Daryl Morcel, the perimeter um, defensive stopper. And both those guys kind of set the tone defensively. And they're also kind of teaching the younger guys the ropes because, you know, Chaka kind of builds his, his identity for teams around defense. And those guys have been around college basketball for a long time. They know what to do. Um, and they kind of led the way this year. You know, kind of going on, uh, Daryl Marcel, you know, he joined uh, after a, a great career in Maryland. He was Big Ten defenses of the player of the year. But here it is. He's averaging more points than any point at his career during at his four years at, at College Park, making three-pointers. Is it more about maybe Shaka unlocking that offensive gene, or is it more maybe about Daryl stepping into a new role at a, with a new team? Yeah, I think that was one of the reasons that, that Daryl was – attracted to what Marquette had to offer this year. Uh, there was questions about who would score for this team, this Marquette team. Um, and they kind of needed a go-to perimeter guy. And Daryl, like you mentioned, was more of a the role guy, the defensive stopper in Maryland. Didn't have the ball in his hands a lot. Uh, I think he saw the opportunity here at Marquette that he could kind of show more of his all-around game uh, he never scored more than 19 points at Maryland. And I think he's had four or five games at, of 20 or more points here at Marquette. Um, and, you know, he was, he was hurt a lot last year at Maryland. Uh, he hurt his shoulder late in the season. He has shoulder surgery in the off season. So he couldn't like work out for NBA teams or, or try to find a pro job. Uh, he actually wasn't fully healthy until right around when practice started officially in the fall. Um, so this kind of gave him the chance to uh, have that big role and also kind of audition himself for, for future pro jobs as a player, just by, by, by showing his complete game. No, I equate uh, Daryl Morsell's success this season, you know, coming in from a Big Ten program and joining the Big East to, to Al Durham at PC. You know, Al had a great career at Indiana. Yeah. Here he is, uh, you know, kind of, you know, enjoying this last hurrah, so to speak, that this, you know, grad transfer rule and having that extra eligibility has benefited these players. And I want to dive into now uh, Justin Lewis. Uh, mm. And, uh, you know, one of the few holdovers from the uh, Steve Wojciechowski era, you know, he's averaging a team best, uh, almost 17 points per game. Is that, you know, first of all, it had to be a major buy-in for Justin, you know, looking yeah. around last year, seeing his coach leaving, all the assistance that he, you know, brought him to Marquette. A lot of his teammates left. He chose to stay, and he's become the focal point of this Marquette team, at least from an offensive standpoint. Yeah, like I mentioned, like, he always, if you looked at Justin last year, 
he all he, he you could see the physical talent man. he's he's six seven he's got long arms big hands uh got a good nose for the ball that was what really was role was last year was as a good rebounder and he kind of endeared himself to to marquette fans early in the season last year it, I don't know if you remember, he had that tip in to beat Wisconsin in-state rival off a free throw offensive rebound at the buzzer. Um, so that was more kind of his role last year as like just an inside player. And and Shaka's kind of unlocked him. He plays a lot more on the perimeter now. Um, his three-point shooting, especially in the last three or four games, has, uh, as he's got more confident of people – surely remember from a couple of weeks ago, he hit the game winning three against Villanova and his confidence is just continuing to skyrocket as, as he has more success. And he's coming off uh, his best game yet against uh, uh, Seton Hall in, in, in Newark. He had 33 points. That's a the college high for him. He was doing it inside, outside. I think he had six assists in that game, uh, three steals. So like it, as he, as he keeps, you know, having these productive games, his confidence just keeps growing and growing. And you can see it like uh, he's kind of reached a point where now he like his teammates are looking at him to take over like they did uh, against Seton Hall. And uh, of course, I can't uh, have a conversation without you without talking about my man, the guy at yeah. high school. He's now out there, Tyler Kolick. Yeah. Well, first of all, it's funny how Marquette and some of these schools list these kids now. Um he played out a freshman year at George Mason. He transferred one of the ninth to come in this year. Marquette still lists him as a freshman, which means he still has, you know, the quote unquote four years of eligibility. But what stood out to me, at least watching Tyler on television this season, and uh, I'll ask you because you've seen him in person. Yeah. He's been more of a facilitator. Mm -hmm. He leads the Big East in assists. And I think one of his great attributes, and I'm sure something that uh, Coach Smart has really stressed to him, is to get into the paint yeah. and distribute. Yeah, yeah. Shaka's offense is very, very pick and roll heavy. Um, and and Tyler has just been like masterful at, at running the pick and roll. Like um uh I think I I I just look at I didn't know much about him when he committed to Marquette. Uh and I, I just figured I just thought of him more as a shooter coming in from George Mason. Um, but yeah, his passing vision is just incredible. Uh top 10 in the nation and assists um, really it's got a good feel for uh, the pick and roll with the big guys, Kirk Weth and Oso Iguodaro. Uh, they have good chemistry together. Um, he's a, uh, you know, he hasn't shot the ball very well this year. Um, that's probably the next step for him to take. And, you know, Chuck has kind of said that it's more of him taking on that bigger role that's kind of taken away a shooting. Like he, he, he's put so much energy into running the offense and everything that that's kind of, he thinks that's why he's seen such a significant dip in, in his shooting numbers this year. Um, but, uh, you know, Pat, Tyler's passing is really what's, what's making the Marquette offense hum. Marquette is, is second in the nation in the percentage of its, field goals that are assisted. I think it's like 65%. Uh, and during this winning streak of seven games that Marquette is on right now, I think four or five of the games they've had 20 or more assists. And that all starts with Tyler. That's just that contagious. Like the ball has been moving around. There's not like one guy that's, that that's a ball stopper. Um, it finds the hot hand and, and Tyler, it all starts with Tyler. And I think it's also credit to Tyler, too, because you mentioned we, he hasn't shot the ball well. 
but he still has a vital role in this team being the facilitator. And I think last night down at uh, Seton Hall, you know, I think he ended up with what, seven rebounds, steals. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's been able to make the an impact in other areas, whereas maybe the player that I remember watching in Cullen High School and later at St. George's, you know, he was supposed to be that guy offensively for them. And now he's able to impact the game in other areas, not just with his passing. Yeah, yeah. He, he's a really good rebounder for for a guard and a size. And, he, yeah, he does little plays. Uh, and he's been a good defender. You know, I thought, like, with his size, that, that teams will be picking on him a lot, uh, trying to isolate against him. But he's he's been strong. Like, uh, he's been active hands. He had a couple steals yesterday. Um, one play that, that, that stands out to me, just that doesn't fit in the box score, but the last uh, possession against Villanova, Villanova took a shot. I think there were six seconds left. Marquette was up one or they were, they were up three and, and Tyler just kind of knocked the ball away. It didn't count as a rebound. He kind of slapped it down the court and, you know, ran off the last couple of seconds. That's kind of like really smart, heady plays that, that he's been doing all year that don't show up in the box score. And, you know, speaking of uh, defense, one of the trademarks of a Shaka Smart defensive unit is deflections. And how uh, much, it, you know, Ben, do you find yourself sometimes yeah. looking over to the board that maybe yeah. some student managers in charge of holding up and saying, wow, they're up to the quote unquote, you know, benchmark that Shaka shoots for for every game? Yeah, yeah. If you uh, for people that 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 will watch the game on TV, if you watch during timeouts, there's a, a student manager that's in charge of tracking deflections per game. And during timeouts, he holds up the uh, deflection board that 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 counts the the number of deflections that Marquette's had on defense. And Marquette uh, under you know, this is a big point of emphasis for Shaka Smart. He wants 32 deflections. That's the number um, that in all his analytical studies that. Uh, if they reach that, they have like 90 some percent chance of winning. I think only once this year they reached 32 deflections and they lost. And it was, you know, some game where they just shot poorly from three point land that, that, that was an issue early in the, in the year. They, they weren't shooting very well. Um, but yeah, it's more, he pushes uh, teams to be active on defense and that that's where that deflection number comes from. I think a lot of people in the in in the popular popular memory think of Shaka's teams at uh, at VCU, right? The havoc defense—that's what he was known for. Uh, it's a di- little different kind of pressure that he runs this year. Uh, he often says that you know you can't really do the pressure havoc style VCU style in today's college basketball just because they'll call too many fouls on you. They don't let you be as physical. Um, so this is more. Uh, they have a couple different full court pressures that they throw on. It's more just to kind of make you make constant decisions or run time off the clock that, you know, you start running your offense at, at, you know, 16, 18 seconds on the shot clock, kind of speed you up that way. Just make you make decisions over and over and over again. And, and, you know, maybe pounce on pounce on those mistakes and get the deflections and the steals and then, then get out and transition. Now, Ben, you are an AP top 25 voter. Yes. When did you start believing in the Friars? <laughs> uh, it was probably, I mean, I definitely, you know, being living in Wisconsin when they beat uh, uh, Wisconsin, I know Johnny Davis, the all American candidate didn't play for the Badgers, but still like 
anybody that, that lives in Wisconsin knows that the Kohl Center is a tough place to play. And I think that was kind of a, kind of raised my eyebrows a little bit when the, when they won that game. And now, uh, you know, just uh, looking ahead to Saturday, maybe Sunday, this is a rematch of, uh, you know, a, a game from earlier this month. Um, it was a game for, if you're Marquette, it propelled them on this great streak they're on right now. Uh, mm-hmm. he, they came in, they didn't have AJ Reeves that night. It was, yeah. uh, but uh, Marquette just really, really put the two of them. And I, I don't expect a similar kind of beat down this yeah. when they play against uh, again, you know, you look at them defensively. I think that this could be the rock fight that maybe we anticipate the first time they played against each other. Yeah. When I think back to that game, I mean, Marquette was just on fire um, offensively. Uh, like Cam Jones, I think stood, stood out for me in that game. The, the freshman guard off the bench. I think he was, I think he had four threes in that game. Uh, Marquette was just just humming offensively, yeah. And I think just at the dunk, man, it's going to be uh, like you said. I think it's going to be a rock fight. And Marquette, Marquette's, you know, that beginning of this winning streak was a little bit of an outlier, and and they were scoring eighty eight points against uh, Providence. I think they uh, they had ninety against Georgetown, um, or ninety two, excuse me. Um, so they were hot at the beginning of the streak, but the last couple of games, they've kind of had to, to grind out victories. Uh, they started hot against Seton Hall, both of the, the times that the, those two teams played each other. But in the second halves of both those games, the shooting kind of slowed down and, and Marquette had to kind of turn to his defense to, uh, the, to keep Seton Hall from, from coming back in those games. And, you know, Marquette's just won in, in different styles, which is, is the hallmark of a, of a good team. Absolutely. Well, fingers crossed uh, we get this game in, you know, if not Saturday, definitely Sunday, because uh, like like we talked about before we came on, Marquette still has one game kind of out there that they're seeing about scheduling. We know about PC. They had three games COVID out and, you know, it's going to be February next week and it's running out of time in terms of trying to schedule all these games in. Yeah, I'll be, uh, hopefully we get this game and I'll be here in my hotel room, looking out the window at the snow, just waiting for, uh, waiting for tip time. So yeah, Marquette's got one game left unscheduled against Seton Hall or, or St. John's, excuse me. Um, I don't know if there's room in the schedule to get that in. I mean, it, it would sure would be nice if every biggest team could get to, to 20 games, but it doesn't look like that's going to happen. Um, so just be thankful for the games that we got. No, absolutely. That's probably the best way to say it. As uh, we go from COVID concerns to trying to wait out Mother Nature, typical uh, wintertime stuff here in the Northeast. <laughs> absolutely, man. Yeah, I have to uh, add the uh, add the word nor'easter to my to my lexicon when I when I travel up in these parts. Just like a bomb cyclone from a few years ago. <laughs> well, listen, Ben. I appreciate the time. Uh, you know, uh, I'm sure we're we'll looking forward to more great Tyler Cole coverage from you and. Uh, <laughs> We'll uh, catch you on the trails pretty soon. Appreciate you coming on the podcast. Awesome, man. It's been fun. Thanks for having me.